three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 365. Uh, there are 365 days in a year. This is episode 365. We certainly do not do an episode every single day. I don't know what you want to do with that information, but hey, I have done as many episodes as there are days in a year. Uh, we're going to talk about some NBA today. We're going to do some Formula One, but I do want to start today in the NFL. Uh, I'm really excited. I I don't know if you guys can tell. I I miss football like so much. I I'm sure that's relatable. I, I just I I so badly want to like I I I miss the storylines. I miss getting somebody to watch every Sunday. I miss, like. Formula One's great, and basketball's great, and I I even watch baseball on Fourth of July. But I I just want football to happen. Like I'm like I not only financially would I really like football to happen, I just I, I miss football. I'm bored. I I really I I just want it so badly. I I really really am excited for football season. It's going to be an amazing year. And so I guess I want to let's jump into the list. There are eight NFL teams that have really, really interesting storylines that I'm excited to track this NFL season. Uh, I want to see how things develop. I do want to say first that I only have eight teams here. And so feel free to write in, uh, send me a message, leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, Let me know which storyline or multiple storylines I leave out that you're like, hey, uh, these are things that you missed that I think are important to talk about and uh, track that let me know what storylines you think I'll leave out in this video. Uh, but number one, I want to start. It's very glaring and obvious. It's the probably the biggest storyline uh, in the NFL right now. Like, I'm going to go get my hair cut the other day. What a haircut? What was I doing? I was getting blood drawn. And the guy drawing blood clearly didn't know very much about football, but he's like, what do you think about the Aaron Rodgers, you know, saga, I guess? He said, what do you think about Aaron Rodgers? I'm like, oh, wow. If, if even this guy is asking me about Aaron Rodgers, it's got to be the biggest story in the NFL. I mean, this guy who clearly, I asked him, like, who's your favorite team? He said the Denver Broncos, and then he couldn't tell me who the Denver Broncos starting quarterback was. So clearly, like, not the biggest football fan, but he knew about the Aaron Rodgers deal. And Aaron is upset. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. He even skipped mandatory minicamp. And this situation has led to be to there being two sides. You're either, uh, are you team Aaron Rodgers or do you side with the Packers? And no matter what side you're on, it's really interesting to see like what is going to happen. I don't know. He's been the starting quarterback in Green Bay for 13 years. He won them a Super Bowl. He's been the NFL MVP three times. In fact, he's coming off of, he literally won the NFL MVP just last year. So what's going to happen? Are they going to trade him? Is he going to hold out? Is, you know, maybe he won't play at all next year. Maybe he comes back midseason. Uh, I I don't think the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers because to trade him right now, all it does is cost Green Bay a ton of money. They're like, it makes way more sense for them to do it next year. Uh, And I, maybe they trade him next off season. That's really when it would financially make sense for Green Bay. Uh, And then what if former first round pick quarterback Jordan Love starts week one for Green Bay? And then what if Jordan Love plays really well? And what if Aaron comes back week eight or nine? But while he's been gone, Jordan Love was just doing great the entire time. And the Packers are 7-2 and two and, like, have a good record. And Jordan's working. And they're like, well, it would if the Packers are planning on trading Aaron next offseason, is it possible that they could roll with Jordan Love? And 
you know, make Aaron the backup quarterback. Like, that sounds insane to have a guy go from being the NFL MVP to maybe sitting on the bench or maybe not play. It's crazy. And I, there are so many potential things that could happen here. Maybe he just comes back and leads Green Bay to a Super Bowl. Like, that's possible. I don't know. It's, it feels like there are so many possibilities. Could he get traded? Is he going to sit? Is he going to be a backup? Is he going to be an amazing starter and have a great year? I have no idea what's going to happen. It seems like Aaron would rather sit out than play for Green Bay. Like He's just like, hey, I'm going to use my power that I have to not play. Certainly, I would imagine Green Bay Packers fans wouldn't cheer for that. It's very weird to me. I will say it's also very interesting that have you noticed we haven't heard any reports that Jordan Love is awful? Like, if Jordan Love was doing bad at training camp, it would have leaked out. We would have heard, like, oh, hey, at minicamp, Jordan Love was terrible. At minicamp, not training camp. But if Jordan Love had been terrible at minicamp, players would have come out and said, oh, we need Aaron back. Like, they would have been very vocal and very clear. And instead of that, um, we haven't heard those stories. In fact, all I've seen is that Jordan Love is really good at minicamp. And when Aaron is in Hawaii or golfing or doing, you know, hosting Jeopardy, whatever he's doing, meanwhile, Jordan Love is in the hot sun working every day with his teammates. Emotionally, like, you kind of move on. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't know what's going to happen here. And I, I guess, I, I, would it be awful if Aaron doesn't play? I don't know. What, what would happen to the Packers? Like, if Aaron doesn't play, are the Packers still good? They've been to the NFC championship game two years in a row um but they're missing their mvp quarterbacks i just don't know it's very fascinating to me however jordan love was a first round pick really talented throws the ball really well uh had problems in college but i would imagine sitting for a year behind aaron Rodgers, working with a really great coach matt lafleur easily the best coach jordan love has ever had in his football career i'd imagine jordan love got way better what's gonna happen it's a massive storyline what will happen with aaron Rodgers, and subsequently what will happen with the Green Bay Packers? Storyline number two is this. Will the Arizona Cardinals be good? Arizona head coach Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. If he doesn't win this year, he's going to get fired. It's Cliff had a losing record in college as the head coach at Texas Tech. I mean, that's crazy to go be a, a, a losing record in college and then still get hired as an NFL head coach. That's very weird. But at the time, I explained it away. I said, well, you know, he was bad at recruiting. And now in the NFL, he doesn't have to worry about recruiting. But also in the NFL, now in two years in Arizona, he's got a losing record as well. And you're like, oh, maybe Cliff is just a bad coach. And some people are good coordinators and bad coaches. Maybe Cliff is a good coordinator, bad head coach. I don't know. But we're going into year three. And it's year three for Cliff. It's also year three for his quarterback, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has a ton of talent, and you don't want to waste the best years of Kyler Murray's career with a coach who can't win. And so expectations have got to go up in Arizona. They added star receiver DeAndre Hopkins last year. Uh, he was great, had a huge impact. This year, they added uh, defensive lineman J.J. Watt. Uh, their defensive line got better. I mean, the Cardinals are trying to make their defense better. Two years in a row, they drafted linebackers in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, in 2020, they drafted Isaiah Simmons. Uh, this past year, in 2021, they drafted Zayvon Collins. They're trying to get better. They're trying to make their defense better. They've got the right quarterback. I, I firmly believe in Kyler Murray, but they have to be good. If they're not good this fall, then Cliff Kingsbury is for sure going to get fired. I'd be shocked if the Cardinals were awful and Cliff Kingsbury kept his job. Storyline number three has to do with the Cleveland Browns. 
Uh, I guess the question is, will Baker Mayfield, the Browns quarterback, get a big long-term contract extension? Uh, Baker was drafted in 2018 along with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And for Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, it's fairly obvious they're going to get big extensions. Josh Allen was an MVP candidate last year. Two years ago, Lamar Jackson won the NFL MVP. Like, they're incredible. Some of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Is Baker in that category? No. I, I, he's not. And so, Baker's a question. He had a really good rookie year. He broke some quarterback rookie records despite having his coach fired and not being, you know, being on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but year two was bad. Baker had uh, 22 in- touchdowns and 21 interceptions in 2019, two years ago, in his second year in the NFL. It was really, really not a, a good look, and they had to fire Freddie Kitchens and bring in a new head coach. And now, last year in 2020, the Browns got a new head coach, a really, really good head coach, Kevin Stefanski. He revamped the offense. They got a new general manager, Andrew Barry. Uh, and the Browns won their first playoff game in forever, which is like, oh, it's so cool. It's It's been years and years and years. And to some people, that should be enough. They're like, you know, some people say, well, they argue, well, Baker brought the bank, uh, brought the Browns back to the playoffs for the first time in forever. Maybe that's enough. And certainly Baker is already, if not the best quarterback they've had in years, since like Bernie Kosar, he's definitely the most stable quarterback they've had in a long time. Like how many times did they have a new quarterback every year, even sometimes every other game? Baker's been their guy now for a while. So it's, he's been stable. He won them a playoff game. He's been very good. But will Baker get a new big contract? Huh. I mean, if I'm the Browns coaching staff, I'm like we worked for this guy for one year. He was solid and did some good stuff, but let's see how he does this year. If I were the Browns, I'd want to see more progress before I gave Baker a massive contract. I'd want to wait and see how this fall goes, and then based on how the fall goes this year, we'll give Baker a new contract or not. But that's a storyline to follow. I mean, what if what if the Browns gave Baker a big contract and he became a Joe Flacco type where he had a good year and then fell off a cliff after that? I don't think that's who Baker is. I think Baker is a guy who... He's been an underdog his whole life who has always overachieved. He won, walked on and won the Heisman Trophy. He became the number one overall pick. He got the Cleveland Browns, won a playoff game with the Cleveland Browns. Like, ha, Did you think that was going to happen last year? That's crazy. That's very cool. And so I have faith in Baker Mayfield, but even me, I still would want to see more. I'd be like, oh, let's see how the year goes and then talk about giving Baker a new contract extension. We know Lamar is going to get one. We know Josh Allen's going to get one. What will happen with the Browns quarterback, Baker Mayfield? Storyline number four is the New England Patriots. Last year, the Patriots lost their legendary quarterback, Tom Brady. Uh, and the Patriots had a down year. They went 7-9. and nine. They missed the playoffs. They haven't missed the playoffs in over a decade. The last time the Patriots missed the playoffs was 2008, when Tom Brady tore his ACL in Game 1 against Kansas City. So... Last year was not a typical year for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Now, this offseason, the Patriots have reloaded. They added a bunch of players. They signed people. They made moves. They drafted a young quarterback, Mac Jones, from Alabama. Remember, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, uh, the coach at Alabama, head coach uh, in New England, head coach in Alabama. They're good friends. I have no doubt they talked a lot about, hey, should we draft Mac Jones? We get the chance. Clearly, Nick Saban was like, yeah, pull the trigger on that guy if you can. And... The Patriots signed a bunch of free agents, including 
uh, two new tight ends, John New Smith and Hunter Henry. Like the Patriots, I would imagine, are going to be a much better team this year than they were last year. Now, one question is how soon will it be before Mac Jones plays in New England? He's a rookie quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton is a quarterback for now, but Cam Newton was very, very unconvincing last year. Uh, he had, remember, he had more interceptions than passing touchdowns, and he ran for more touchdowns than he threw. That's just a weird, like, huh, it's not a good year. It's not a sign of excitement. Uh, you have Nikhil Harry coming into his third year in the NFL, who has been really, really disappointing to this point. He hasn't developed. He hasn't gotten better. Uh, he's just been a non-factor. Nikhil Harry, a former first-round pick at receiver, has just not developed into a number one receiver. So, I mean, question number one is... Uh, when will Mac Jones play? Earlier, later, we don't know. And then question number two is how good will the Patriots be? The Buffalo Bills won their division last year. The Buffalo Bills won the AFC East, uh, a division that the Patriots historically have dominated in the last 20 years. And so it's going to be really interesting to see who wins the AFC East this fall. I, you know, can the Patriots take it back from Buffalo? Can they become king of the hill again? You know, New England, Buffalo, what if Miami, could the Miami Dolphins sweep in as like a third team to come in and as a dark horse and take the AFC East? I don't know. Uh, I think it, right now it's Buffalo's division to lose and the Patriots have to come in and try to take it from Buffalo. So do the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but I'm really excited to see how good will the Patriots be this year in 2021. Storyline number five, the Bengals. Oh boy. Uh, in the 2021 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals drafted wide receiver Jamar Chase, number five overall. He played with the Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow in college at LSU. And no doubt, Jamar Chase is going to light up the NFL. He's going to be a stud. Like, I'm really excited. He's a great player. He's going to be great in the NFL. But I do have to ask the question. Will Jamar Chase help Cincinnati win more games this fall? Like, did the Bengals actually get better, I guess, is the question? Because, first of all, I think Jamar Chase is going to make the Bengals more exciting to watch. He's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. They're going to be fun. Like, back shoulder fades and great throws. And, like, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. I cannot wait to watch it. And Bengals fans swear their offensive line got better this offseason and through the draft. Uh, and I'm kind of like, well, we'll wait and see. But remember, Joe Burrow got hit a ton last year, had a season-ending injury. Now, some people would argue that part of why he got hit so much is because he had to hold on to the ball because nothing was open downfield, and adding a receiver is going to make a big impact on the Bengals' offense and help Joe Burrow get hit less. It's possible. Uh, but my question is, are the Bengals going to be more exciting to watch, like score a lot of points and be fun? Or will they actually be a better team and win more games? Because... I think the Bengals are fun. They're exciting. I want to watch them a lot. I'm not convinced yet they're a better team that's going to win more games. And that that's what I want to see from Cincinnati this year. How is that Jamar Chase pick going to pan out? And does it make them a team that can win more games? Because remember, uh, DeAndre Hopkins got traded from Houston to Arizona last year. Arizona didn't make the playoffs. Arizona wasn't way better. And I love Jamar Chase. I, I think DeAndre Hopkins right now is a better player than... Jamar Chase is going to be this year. Uh, you know, give give it time, he'll develop. But uh, my point is a receiver does not necessarily mean you win games. Like adding a great receiver, one of the best in the NFL, didn't make Arizona suddenly a way better football team that won more games. So 
okay. Like, Bengals fans yell at me all the time, we're going to win more, we're better, the offensive line, this, that, Jamar Chase was the right pick, we'll see. He's going to be exciting. Does he actually make the Bengals a better football team? That remains to be seen. Number seven, the Detroit Lions. Uh, Detroit is rebuilding. And that is something that their fan base has seen many, many times over and over again. Uh, I would argue this might be the best, if not one of the best opportunities for the Bengals. Sorry, for well, the Bengals were last last uh, team. This might be one of the best opportunities for the Detroit Lions to win and build a good team they've had in a long, long time. I thought they had an opportunity in the Jim Caldwell era. They fired Jim Caldwell a little bit early before they really had a chance to see it all play out. Uh, but right now, I feel surprisingly optimistic about the Detroit Lions. First of all, they hired a new head coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, remember, he made headlines with a weird quote in his opening press conference. He said, they're going to bite a kneecap off. And I don't really know what that means. It was kind of a moment where he got passionate and started just talking and kind of like lost track in his excitement, right? And I, the the football world crucified Dan Campbell for that quote. I don't really know. I don't see the crime there. Like, obviously, biting off a kneecap, not something you should do. But that's not what he means. It just seems like a guy who got really passionate about his love for the game. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Like, If the only bad thing you can point to is that, hey, the head coach of the Detroit Lions got passionate about football at a press conference. I'm like, is that really the worst thing? Like, maybe the Lions could use some passion. You could argue that's exactly what the team needs. And he also did a decent job, Dan Campbell did, as the Dolphins interim head coach And back in 2015 when Joe Philbin got fired. So, I don't know. Dan Campbell might not be the worst thing. And then Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator in Detroit. He struggled a lot as the L.A. Chargers head coach. Uh, he could not win close games in the last couple of years. But he's also a great offensive coordinator. Like He is the reason why Justin Herbert won Rookie of the Year last year. So the Lions, without a shadow of a doubt, we can talk about that coach. They have a great offensive coordinator, though, in Anthony Lynn. They also traded for quarterback Jared Goff. And I'm not really excited about Jared Goff. I'm not a big fan of Jared Goff. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be the franchise quarterback that Detroit needs. But in that trade, not only did the Lions get Jared Goff, they also got two first-round picks. So even if Jared Goff is awful and isn't the quarterback that they need— they also have four first-round picks in the next two years, so they could either use one of those picks to replace Jared Goff in the draft, uh, or they could, you know, make a package deal. Like, say, hey, we'll trade two first-round picks to move up in the draft to, like, a top-three pick and go get a quarterback. There are so many opportunities here for the Lions to build a team. They've got assets. They've got a good coach or two. They've got a quarterback, Jared Goff, who may or may not work. But even if he doesn't work, don't panic. You can replace him. Um Detroit has a really good opportunity here to do well in this rebuild. Probably the best opportunity they've had in a long, long time to rebuild their football team and do a good job. So I, I just think the Detroit Lions right now are a storyline worth keeping track of. It's the first time in my lifetime I've ever been like, huh, I want to watch the Lions play. I'm really curious. Can they be good? I don't know. But it's it's worth noting like they're doing some interesting stuff and it's worth paying attention to. My number eight storyline to keep track of this year is the New York Jets. The Jets are also rebuilding, uh, but the Jets have three things that I love. They've got a good GM, a good head coach, and a good young quarterback. 
First is a GM, Joe Douglas. Uh, this dude has done a really good job of drafting and building this team. It's unfortunate he got there a little too late to help Sam Darnold. But this time around with their second young quarterback, Zach Wilson, like he's actually, he's building off the moves he made last year. They got Mekhi Becton in, in the first round. They got a couple of good draft picks last year. Uh, Denzel Mims in the second round. Ashton Davis at safety. They're using those moves they made, building off of it and continuing to build a good team around Zach Wilson. They got... Uh, a big receiver, Corey Davis. They got, um, they're making move after move. Like they're doing interesting stuff. And I'm like, huh. They they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round, uh, another offensive lineman for Zach Wilson. So, I I think that Joe Douglas is a really good general manager. I, I would put him up there, probably right behind a guy, uh, Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, who I think is the best GM in the NFL right now. Then you have head coach Robert Sala. This is his first time as an NFL head coach. Uh, I We don't really know whether he's going to be a head, good head coach or not, but I do know that he was a great coordinator in San Francisco. Last year, he was a 49ers defensive coordinator. His guys loved him. They fought hard for him. I mean, go watch, even at the end of meaningless games last year, the 49ers defense was giving incredible effort, working hard, making plays, uh, and they fight hard for their coach, and that matters to me, to have a coach who is worth fighting for, that you believe in, that you want to work hard for. And so I, I, Robert Sala presents really well. He's great at press conference. Seems like a dude who's well put together. And I know how much his players loved him last year in San Francisco. So I, I feel very optimistic about Robert Sala. Now, the Jets have also rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. They drafted him number two overall. I firmly believe he was the best quarterback available in the NFL draft last year. He's got a great arm, can move around really well. He's got a... This aura, this confidence, this swagger that I really like, I'm like, ah, oh, that dude, that dude's got it. Like, he's not afraid. He wants the ball at the end of a game. And the GM is great. We know that. If Robert Sala, the head coach, and Zach Wilson, the quarterback, are as good as I think they're going to be, then the Jets could be really good as well, too. They're rebuilding. It's a process. Winning could take some time in New York. It always will to rebuild a football team. But... I, I I really believe in Zach Wilson. I think they got a steal drafting. I can't believe I'm like, wow, I I get why the Jaguars drafted Trevor Lawrence. It's the guy they were expected to pick and they to deviate from that and then fail would be suicide. So I, I get why they drafted Trevor Lawrence, not Zach Wilson. But I, I firmly believe Zach Wilson was the better quarterback. The Jets got him. And I just feel really, really good about the future of the Jets, where they're going, where they're headed, their plan, how it's working out. And I'm really excited to watch and see how the Jets do this fall in 2021. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about uh, the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm going to share my prediction for the NBA finals. And then later, uh, we'll talk about Formula One, do some Ask Zach. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. I want to dive in and talk about the NBA playoffs uh, and as they're coming to their conclusion this year in the NBA Finals. The Phoenix Suns are about to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals. And I want to share my prediction. Uh, I guess, first of all, I believe the Phoenix Suns are going to win. I, I predict the Suns are going to win the series five or six games. Now, I also want them to win, and they're two different things. Believing something will happen is not the same, and it's different from hoping that it happens. I hope Phoenix wins. I also believe they're going to win. Look, I, I think that Phoenix is just a more complete team than Milwaukee. Uh, a very basic analysis and, and really 
rudimentary would be to say, like, well, the Bucks don't have their best player, Giannis, and he's hurt. Nobody knows whether he's going to play in the NBA Finals or not. He's doubtful for Game 1. But I want to be clear, the Bucks are a lot more than just Giannis. They have Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Uh, go watch Game 5 against Atlanta. Brooke Lopez had 33 points. Like, they can score and win without Giannis. And I would actually pick the Phoenix Suns to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, whether Giannis plays or not. Even if Giannis was healthy and playing, I'd still pick Phoenix here. Yes, Giannis is unguardable from the paint. Uh, the way he can attack the rim, it's ridiculous. Like there, You watch Giannis at times and you go, that's just unstoppable. He had a dunk where he like two steps, had the ball in one hand, just stepped up over everybody. And you're like, that's unbelievable. Against Atlanta, he, Atlanta, he did that. But we also saw in the Bucks and Hawks series in the Eastern Conference Finals that both with and without Giannis, the Bucks can be really, really frustrating to watch at times. They often get in their own way. They take bad shots. They have bad possessions. They're moody. It's pretty weird. There are times where they come out really flat with like low energy and don't play well to start a game. And then actually Giannis comes out sometimes and takes really bad shots. He just airballs three-pointers. And you're like, why are you shooting that? It's very weird how it's bizarre. Like the Bucks can so easily dominate inside, but it's like sometimes they just choose not to. It's very weird. It's like, Giannis, why are you ever taking a three-pointer? Go to the rim. No one can guard you at the rim. And so maybe Milwaukee figures that out, and then, I mean, that that gives them a chance to win the series, but they get too cute too often. And in contrast, the Phoenix Suns are a well-oiled machine. They play really well together. They play great team defense. They help. They communicate. The Suns' top scorer, Devin Booker, is a, I mean, for lack of a better term, he's a cold killer. It's pretty fun to watch a guy who can put his foot down and end a game whenever he wants to. He can get any shot he wants to. And so, I mean, Phoenix has two things that Milwaukee just doesn't have. Number one, they have Devin Booker, a guy who can finish a game, can create any shot, a guy I, I mean, in a clutch situation with the final shot, Giannis is interesting, but Giannis is hurt. Devin Booker can make that shot, will take that shot, and has got no problem doing that. He's got the the it factor it requires to finish a game. Chris Middleton, the Bucks, you know, top scorer with Giannis out, is streaky and weird, and he he has whole games where he'll be awful, and then he also has moments against in the third quarter. Gosh, f- game five or six against Atlanta, he had like a sixteen and zero run to start the third quarter. And you're like, okay. So Chris Middleton is streaky and really good, but I trust Devin Booker more when it matters most. The second thing Phoenix has that Milwaukee doesn't have is that the Suns are a smarter basketball team. They don't get in their own way. Chris Paul is a great leader. He sets the tone. Uh, They've got two guys who can handle the ball late in the game, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton is a force inside. So I believe the Phoenix Suns are going to win in five or six games. I don't think they sweep Milwaukee. Uh, but whether Giannis plays or not, I'm picking Phoenix to win this series. Now, I also want to be clear, I, I believe Phoenix is going to win. I'm also rooting for Phoenix. I want them to win an NBA title. It's a really cool story. This is a franchise that has never won an NBA title. It's like, ah, it's so cool. No LeBron, no Steph Curry, no big three. Actually, I got to be honest. Like, and I, 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 I would prefer to see the Phoenix Suns win this series, but I'm pretty open. I, like, if Milwaukee wins, I'm still happy. It's been years and years and years since they won a title. Either storyline here is a good story. Either team is awesome. 
And while I love Devin Booker, he's a great player. The reason I'm rooting for Phoenix, the reason I want to see Phoenix win an NBA title is because I want to see Chris Paul get a ring. I want to see Chris Paul become an NBA champion. The dude is in year 16. It's been a long journey for him. Uh, I I think in Houston, he had a good opportunity where he thought he was going to have a chance to win a title. It never came to fruition there. And it's crazy. Go look back at videos throughout Chris Paul's career. He's been talking about winning an NBA title since the beginning. Every year, he's like, I want to, this is my goal. I want to win an NBA title. He's been on five different teams. He's had seven different coaches, including Monty Williams. He's the current Phoenix Suns head coach. They worked together before, and they didn't work as well together. Monty Williams grew up and learned and said, hey, I got to let Chris Paul be Chris Paul and trust him. He's a great leader. I got to get out of the way and let the guy lead and be the dominating force on our basketball team. And so finally in year 16 for Chris Paul, it's all coming together. And I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I so badly want to see Chris Paul win. And I don't think the value Chris Paul has brought to the Phoenix Suns can even be properly measured. For years, I've always believed Chris Paul is massively undervalued. But I see so many parallels between Chris Paul going to Phoenix and Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers, a young team, really talented. They weren't a playoff team the year before, and they became a Super Bowl team that won the whole thing the next year. And this veteran player came in, was a great leader, this force that brought the team together, contributed meaningful play when they needed, and helped them get over the top and win a title. That is Chris Paul to a T. The the parallel between Chris Paul and Tom Brady right now is is unbelievable. And it's a cool story. I I really think that what's happening with Chris Paul, the impact he's had, the way he's brought this team together, um, I, I love it. It makes me really excited. Phoenix did. This whole story does go back to the NBA bubble last year when the Phoenix Suns went 8-0. They got a rhythm. They're like, oh, hey, maybe we can do this. And then they add Chris Paul. That puts them over the top. It's really cool to see. And I I so badly want to see Chris Paul win an NBA title. Now, again, I also got to say it's really nice to have an NBA finals with no LeBron, no Warriors, no Steph Curry. I mean, it's been years and years since at least one of those guys weren't involved in the NBA Finals. Uh, the Bucks suns it's the matchup I wanted. Like, it's exactly what I said a couple weeks ago. I'm like, I really want Bucks and Suns in the NBA Finals. The problem is, I did want Giannis to be healthy. Uh, and I, I I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. I, I fear the series could fall a bit flat if Giannis' injury has a really big impact on the series and removes Milwaukee from being as competitive as they could be. Like I, I even, I was frustrated watching the Clippers Suns series. I'm like, I want Kawhi to play. I want a, a game went to six. The series went to six games. It probably goes to seven games with Kawhi Leonard playing. Um, so I, I'm rooting for the Suns. I also think they're going to win. But again, if the Bucks win, I'm not like, you know, crestfallen. I'm not disappointed. The Milwaukee Bucks are a good story too. Um, but I really want to see Chris Paul get a ring and win an NBA title. That would be, man, that'd be so, so cool. Okay, uh, I want to take a step backward, backtrack a little bit. I want to talk about the NBA Conference Finals real quick. Uh, So in the Western Conference Finals, the Phoenix Suns beat the LA Clippers in six games. And the big stain on this series was that the Clippers' best player, their most important player, Kawhi Leonard, uh, didn't play the entire series with a knee injury. And honestly, I got to say, it was really impressive how... 
well the Clippers competed despite not having Kawhi Leonard. You're not having your best player and still taking the series to six games. I, I, I really, it makes me wonder what could have been. You know, what would have happened if the Clippers had been at full strength? Would they have been in the finals? Would it have gone to game seven? Would it have been more competitive? I mean, even without Kawhi Leonard, it was a really fun competitive series. Go watch game four. Game four, the Suns won 84 to 80. And the last like seven, eight minutes were really intense and really close and hard fought, you know, good defense everywhere. And guys like Reggie Jackson stepped up and Paul George stepped up in game six, Paul George had 41 points and an elimination game to keep the series alive and keep it going. And so, um, I, I just, I guess that's game game. That was game five, game five. Cause the series went six. So in game, it, it's just crazy to me, man. I, it also featured Devin Booker wearing a mask. I want to talk about that. I mean, Devin Booker got hit in the face in game two by Patrick Beverly. He puts on this clear mask over his face to protect his nose. And I just, I had a good time. The Western Conference Finals were a good time, a really fun series that I think fell just short of being a great series if Kawhi Leonard had played. I'm like, man, I, I wonder what could have been if Kawhi Leonard had been healthy. Now, uh, I did. I do want to take a moment. There are a lot of. There have been a ton of injuries in the NBA Finals or NBA playoffs. Excuse me. Uh, Chris Paul is the NBA Players Association uh, president, and he came out and said, "Look, we the players did agree to this content schedule in, in their collective bargaining agreement." Players complained a bunch, like, "I oh, would like it. It's not fair." But hey, this condensed schedule where you're playing a game pretty much every other night is exactly what the players agreed to. So I. It's it's interesting to hear from Chris Paul, the guy who represents the players, say, "Hey, even because even he got hurt and well, not hurt, even he missed a couple games." So, I don't know. It's interesting. I will say it's it's a shame how many guys have been out. I mean, like so many people have missed time. There's a great series by a guy called Heat Check who documents how many people have missed games in the NBA playoffs, and it's like, geez, that's like 13 NBA superstars that have not played in the NBA playoffs because, and missed games because of injuries. That's pretty awful. Now I want to shift gears to the Eastern conference finals. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Atlanta Hawks in six games. Um, Atlanta losing felt inevitable, but it did suck that during the series, the most important player on both teams got hurt. Giannis got hurt, hurt his knee. Uh, Trey Young got hurt. He stepped on a ref and, and messed up his ankle. And it's like, that was really weird and unfortunate. I felt bad for the ref because the ref was off the court, like literally outside of the field of play. Trey Young stepped on his foot, hurts his ankle. It's like, I just, again, I feel bad for the ref, like wrong place, wrong time. He didn't really, he's just doing his job and Trey Young steps on him, gets hurt. Uh, Trey Young tried to play in game six, but he just wasn't himself. He, you know, it was clearly off. It's like, was it the injury? Was it, was he out of rhythm? Cause he missed a game or two. I, Either way, the dude only had 14 points, was 4 for 17 shooting, was 0 for 6 shooting threes. Um, and Trey did not look like himself in the, the final game of that series in Game 6. Comes back from an injury, tries to play. But he wasn't as aggressive as he'd been throughout the playoffs leading up to that point. He passed up on open shots. He wasn't shooting his teardrop, uh, his teardrop floater. There were times like, Trey, what do you shoot that? Like all, all through the playoffs, there are shots that Trey has taken where he, he pulls up and, and doesn't shoot. He pulled the ball back down and passed it or dribbled somewhere else or didn't shoot that teardrop. Uh, and we just got to wonder, like, how much did that injury really affect him? He's probably on some kind of painkillers trying to get through it, but he also was hobbling at times. It's just unfortunate. I would have loved to see a healthy Trey Young in that game six. 
Um, but you still got to tr- credit Atlanta. I mean, shout out to the Hawks. The Hawks, it was once tied 2-2 two to two between Atlanta and Milwaukee. Uh, Atlanta's a young team with a bright future. I had a ton of fun watching them during the NBA playoffs. Like them, Trey Young, the energy. They're a really young roster. And I want to watch Atlanta again next year. Like, I'm really, really excited to watch them uh, next year as they progress and, you know, mature as an NBA team. Uh, it's also cool. I want to mention they extended their head coach, Nate McMillan. Remember, he took over as the interim head coach midway through the season, like March or January. I think I think March. Uh, and he had an immediate impact where he just made the team way. It's crazy, like, the numbers difference between the Atlanta Hawks before Nate McMillan and then after Nate McMillan. He really brought this team together. They made a long run together. And so he got a big contract extension. He's no longer the interim head coach. He is officially the head coach in Atlanta. It's very, very cool. And uh, shout out to Atlanta. It was a really good time. So I'm curious. Let me know who you think is going to win the NBA Finals. Is it going to be the Phoenix Suns, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks? Let me know. Uh, Now, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Formula One. We will end the show with Ask Zach. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Um, I want to say this real quick. The more I think about these NBA finals, the more I feel pretty sure uh, that not only are the Suns going to win, but Giannis hyperextended his knee. And what does Giannis do best? What's the best thing he brings to the table as a basketball player? It's his athletic ability, his ability to move around. He's Six foot eleven, but moves like a guy who's five foot ten. He he's got this unbelievable. They call him the Greek freak for a reason. This unbelievable athletic ability. Well, it's going to take him a while. You hyperextend your knee, you're not going to be back to that one hundred percent mobility and athletic ability. I guess uh, by the by the end of the series, there's no way he's going to fully recover. So we're not going to see the Giannis of old. We're going to see the Giannis of Giannis is going to have to shoot jumpers, and if he can't. I, I certainly don't want Giannis taking a lot of jumpers. So I, I just, the more I think about it, I'm like, man, he hurt himself and lost his best trait. Even if he comes back, he won't be 100%. There's just no way we're going to see Giannis at 100% in this series. And I just, I I don't know. I, I get a really bad feeling. I, I feel compelled that the Suns are going to win. And I wish I had a way to more eloquently put that. But I just think about what does Giannis do best? Now, what is the injury going to cause him to do? Not be able to do exactly that. So... Keep that in mind. I, I just I'd be shocked if Giannis had a huge impact on this series, uh, and I, I we'll see. Let's shift gears to Formula One. Uh, I do this dramatic. My hands were like, yeah, let's, let's shift gears. Um, on Sunday we had the Austrian Grand Prix in Formula One, and I got to be honest, I got mixed feelings about this race. Uh, I, I've been very vocal and, and very shameless in rooting for Max Verstappen and, and Red Bull. I've been saying all year, like, hey, I want Max to win. I want to see Red Bull challenge Mercedes. Uh, it's cool to see things shaken up in Formula One. I like seeing Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton get challenged. But right now, they are more than challenging uh, Lewis and Mercedes. Max and Red Bull have been dominating. They, they've won three races in a row. Uh, Max has won four of the last five races. Red Bull's won the last five races in a row, whether it's Max uh, winning four of them, Sergio Perez won one of them. And uh, Max won by a massive margin on Sunday. Again, he got also got fastest lap. He was so far ahead, he got to take just kind of a trivial 
because why not an extra pit stop and get fresher tires at the end just to be safe? It's like, man, that's crazy to me. How far ahead he is and how big the gap is between Max Verstappen and even everybody else. Um, I, I just, I don't really like that. I, I like Max. I want to see him win. And I, if this is how it's going to happen, I guess that's fine. But I really want compelling, interesting, fun, close finishes. And I worry that Red Bull is going to pull away at the end and Mercedes can't make up any ground and make it interesting. I, it doesn't feel back and forth right now. It feels very one-sided in Formula 1. I don't really love that. Now, uh, here is the rest of the podium finish from Sunday. Obviously, uh, Max took first, followed by Valtteri Bottas for Mercedes in second, uh, Lando Norris for McLaren in third, Lewis Hamilton took fourth in his Mercedes. Uh, he had some minor damage slowing him down. Uh, they ended up letting Bottas and uh, Lando through just to, you know, he's got to finish the race and didn't want to hold up uh, Valtteri. Uh, Sergio Perez was back in sixth for Red Bull. Remember, Sergio Perez ran wide uh, into the gravel early on the race trying to pass Lando Norris. I think it was lap four or five because uh, there was that restart uh, after the caution. And so... Uh, later then, not only did Sergio Perez wipe out and have to kind of lose a lot of ground in the in the field, he also got two five-second penalties, so 10 seconds total uh, of time penalties while defending against Charles Leclerc, also forcing Charles Leclerc off wide uh, of the track. So uh, I, Sergio Perez kind of recovered, made it to sixth, I think should have got fifth, but uh, had two two time penalties. Lando Norris also got a time penalty, five seconds. It happened when Sergio Perez ran wide, trying to pass him early on in the race. I did not think that was deserving. I did not believe Lando deserved a penalty there. I thought he should have been more patient. Uh, I, I mean, Sergio Perez. So I guess, let me say this. If anybody should have been at fault there, it was Sergio Perez who I think made a dumb move, you know, not being patient, trying to make a move too quickly. And, uh, you know, should have waited for a better opportunity to pass Lando. I'm like, early in the race, you're like, Sergio, why are you making this move right now? Are you trying to catch Max? Like, this is weird. And it felt like the wrong time for Sergio to make a move, try to go around the outside. He ran wide into the gravel. I don't blame Lando for that. I blame Sergio for being impatient. So it was ridiculous that Lando got blamed, if you ask me. Uh, But I still got to say, it was super cool to see Lando get a podium. I thought he could have got second if it weren't for that time penalty and whatever, um, who knows? I mean, it's just interesting, right? Like, what would have happened if we hadn't had that nonsense to deal with? Uh, Now, the battle between McLaren and Ferrari continues. Uh, McLaren got 21 points as Lando got 15 points in third. Daniel Ricciardo got six points in seventh. Uh, And then Ferrari got seven points on the day. So McLaren got 21. Seven points behind them was Ferrari on Sunday. Carlos Sainz got fifth place for 10 points, and Charles Leclerc got... Uh, four points for eighth place. So 14 points on the day for Ferrari, uh, 21 points on the day for McLaren. Now, Alpine had a really rough uh, weekend, the French team. Esteban Elcon was the only driver on Sunday to retire early and did not finish the race. Meanwhile, the other Alpine driver, Fernando Alonso, kind of got screwed over. Uh, in Q2 of qualifying, he was almost qualified into the top 10 was going to go to Q3, and then at the end of his lap, he ran into a bunch of traffic, uh, and Esteban, sorry, Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Vettel uh, in particular got in his way. So Sebastian Vettel got a three-place grid penalty, uh, but it really, 
and, and I don't know that it was entirely Sebastian Vettel's fault. Even Fernando Alonso said that's not really on Sebastian Vettel. That's on his engineer. There's not a lot of visibility behind him. Uh, Sebastian Vettel's race engineer for Aston Martin should have said, hey, you got Fernando Alonso coming up behind you. You can't dilly-dally there. You got to get going. And Fernando Alonso, while being pretty surprisingly gracious to Seb, like he blamed the engineer, not Sebastian Vettel, he also said, hey, my race weekend was ruined. Like I I was going to be in the top 10, and now I, I instead he had to start 14th on the grid. He did gain four places during the race and finished in 10th, but who knows what would have happened if he had a better start to the race and started inside the top 10 rather than 14th. Um, I do want to say, though, I, I want to pause and say, you know, there were really only four teams ahead of Fernando Alonso. Uh, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, and McLaren all had two drivers finish ahead of Fernando Alonso. There's no way that an Alpine has got more pace than any one of those four teams. So that really only left two spots for Fernando Alonso to realistically finish. And Pierre Gasly with Alpha Tauri finished in ninth. So I don't, I don't know that Fernando Alonso would have got better than 10th, even if he started inside the top 10. Like we saw George Russell finish, uh, start in uh, eighth place. And by the end of the race, he didn't have enough pace and finished 11th. So e- even if Fernando Alonso started farther up, I still don't think he would have really had necessarily a better finish than eighth, sorry, than, than 10th or maybe ninth. Um, but I also, I, I think Pierre Gassi and Alpha Tauri had more pace than the Alpine would. So I just, I, I know Fernando Alonso is really angry, I think he still got the best result he could have possibly gotten. Let me know what you think about that. Am I crazy? But I just don't think that there's a reality where an Alpine has more pace than Ferrari, McLaren, Red Bull, or Mercedes, and then even maybe not really more pace than an Alpha Tower driven by Pierre Gasly. Um, I, I do want to say that it, it was really sad. George Russell started in eighth on the grid, but once again, he could not get any points. He finished 11th, and it was really cool at the end of the race. I'm glad they showed it. You had George Russell in 10th, Fernando Alonso in 11th trying to pass him. And this battle for 10th between Fernando Alonso and George Russell was really, really interesting, really exciting. I'm glad they showed it on TV. Had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, But I guess, so as I look back in the race, Fernando Alonso will tell you he got screwed. I'm like, ah, maybe. Um, Certainly, I thought Lando Norris got a penalty he should not have deserved. Max dominated. Uh, Lewis had some damage. Salvatore Botas finished ahead of him. And the gap between Mercedes and Red Bull just grew even more. Here are the current standings in Formula 1. Uh, Max is the top driver. Max is in first with 182 points. Lewis is in second with 150 points. Uh, Sergio Perez is the third driver in the standings with 104 points. And Lando is right behind him in fourth with 101 points. It'd be kind of cool if Lando Norris got third in the driver's standings. That'd be very interesting. Uh, you know, if Lando got third in the driver's standings and McLaren got third in the team standings, like that'd be a really big win for them. Uh, by the way, Lando's the only driver this year who's had point, a points finish in every single race in 2021. That's very impressive. He had, he's not, you know, Lewis had a race where he finished like 16th or 14th or something because he spun out uh, in like the final two laps. You had Max is, uh, has, a, has spun out and did not finish in a race before. Lando is the only driver who's had a points finish in every single race. That's Really impressive. It shows to his stability and to his um, every week, just showing up, bringing his best. It's really impressive to me. Now, in the team standings, Red Bull's in first with 286 points, 286 for Red Bull. Mercedes is in second with 242 points. Uh, And then way behind McLaren, the battle for third, McLaren has 141 points. 141 points are currently in third. And then Ferrari has 122 points in fourth. That's the battle for third right now. 
And uh, I guess it's just not my favorite race. I don't really like when the winner dominates. Uh, it happens a lot in Formula One, but it, it makes it a race that I don't love that much. Uh, there were some interesting battles throughout the race, but um, yeah, this, the thing that kind of will always stick to me is, hey, Max Verstappen dominated, and I don't love that. The next race is on Sunday, July 18th at Silverstone uh, in Great Britain. Should be fun. And uh, until then, uh, by the way, another news, the, the Australian Grand Prix got canceled uh, again because Australia's been so strict and tight with their COVID rules. And uh, Lewis Hamilton did sign a two-year contract extension with uh, Mercedes. So if anybody gets another seat in, uh, with Mercedes, it could be maybe George Russell. But I don't. it seems like Valtteri Bottas is doing solid right now. Uh, I just keep your eye on that. Lewis is the guy for the next couple of years. Will Mercedes retain Valtteri Bottas or will they make a shift to George Russell for next year? Keep your eye on that. Uh, the next race, Silverson, should be fun. And uh, I just had a really good time. I, I love Formula One. I love covering it. And I'm excited for the next race. Okay. Uh, now let's answer some questions from the audience. It's time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. It's where, uh, in case you don't know how it works, go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. Uh, it literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is to look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read at the end of every show. Uh, so today, I want to start with Devin. Devin writes in. Let me pull it up. Devin says, what would Zach Schaumler do in Jordan Love's shoes? Remember, Jordan Love was a first-round pick uh, drafted behind Aaron Rodgers last year. Sat on the bench the entire year last year. We didn't see him play. Aaron won the NFL MVP. But right now, Aaron is holding out. We don't know if Aaron's going to play. We don't know if he's going to go back. We don't know what's going to happen. And so if I'm Jordan Love, I'm like, hey, I'm QB1. And I would treat things that way until I know otherwise. Until who knows if Aaron's going to come back. But all you can do is step up and be the man. And if he comes back, we have that debate later. But if Aaron doesn't come back, you need to be ready now to take that job. And so I do the very best I could to take over and, you know, prepare to be quarter you know, QB number one. And that's my job until I'm told otherwise. And um, I would be encouraging. I'd be uh, I'd be kind. I'd be helpful to my teammates. I'd work incredibly hard. I'd earn that respect through working hard. And I think Jordan loves doing that. So I, I all Jordan can do is the best he can do. And maybe learn some lessons from Aaron's leadership and do some different stuff to ingratiate himself a little more to his teammates would be kind of nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I think all Jordan Love can do is be the best Jordan Love he can be and prepare to be the quarterback because we don't know if Aaron's coming back or not. Evan writes in, question number two, he says, Hey Zach, I've seen a lot of conversation online lately about how awful the NBA media is for their negative attitude towards the remaining teams in the NBA playoffs. This has sparked debates on whether market size influences outcomes in the NBA. What is your opinion on market sizes and their influence on professional sports? Uh, I don't care about market size at all. Like, are you a good basketball team? That's all I care about. Uh, the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks are from Phoenix and Milwaukee. Like, the small markets doing really well. Like, clearly you can win with a small market team. Um, and that's literally all that matters to me is are you a good team? I don't, I don't really care where you're from. Um, you know, TV networks care. I mean, there's a reason why 
the Dallas Cowboys got hard knocks in HB on HBO because they got a massive fan base and they're a big market and a lot of people care. And if you're ESPN or Fox Sports or CBS, you're worried about getting the maximum amount of views every time. So it's better for you when a big market team is in a championship because more people are going to watch. Uh, most people watch sports to watch their team. Fewer people watch because they just love competition and love good sports and want to watch a good game. I'm one of those people who I don't care who's playing. I want to watch a good game. Um, but a lot of people will not watch because they're not a Suns fan or a Milwaukee Bucks fan, and therefore they don't care. That's sad. That's reality. Um, but to me, I don't, I don't care who's playing. Are you good? Is it interesting? Are you compelling? That's really all I care about. So, um, yeah, I don't really care how big your market is in the NBA, in the NFL, in baseball, anywhere. Um, question number three today is from William. Last one of the day. He says, hey, Zach, the popular rumor is that George Russell will be replacing Valtteri Botas in the Mercedes for next year. But do you think there's any chance Mercedes pulls a sneaky move on Red Bull and takes Pierre Gasly instead? Gasly has been phenomenal, consistent, and outperformed where the AlphaTauri should be. I think he has earned the better seat. Thanks. Um... So I agree, first of all. Pierre Gasly has outperformed AlphaTauri, although so has George Russell outperformed the Williams he's driving. Uh, although, unfortunately, while I do think Pierre Gasly deserves a promotion, there's nowhere to promote him to. Lewis Hamilton just signed a two-year contract extension. Uh, Mercedes is going to go with either Valtteri Bottas or George Russell next year. George Russell has driven the Mercedes before. Remember last year they had a race where Lewis was out with covid they replaced him with George Russell. Um, George Russell drives a Mercedes-powered car. Like, that's their guy. The, the Mercedes is grooming George Russell to be their next driver. So um, I, I, I don't see a reality where Pierre Gasly replaces Valtteri Bottas instead of George Russell because they're preparing them to replace George Russell with Valtteri Bottas. They're grooming George Russell, not Pierre Gasly. Um, and the top teams are full. They, you know, they all are full and happy with their drivers. Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, like there isn't an opening. They love their drivers. They love their lineups. They're competitive. They're good. Um, there's just so few premier seats in Formula One where I would agree with you, Pierre Gasly has outperformed the Alpha Tauri and does, does deserve a promotion. Where are you going to put him? It kind of reminds me of when Daniel Ricciardo left Red Bull and went down to Renault. And you're like, why'd you do that? That's not a promotion. That's a down. You downgraded because you were angry. That was just weird. And Pierre Gasly has nowhere to go but down right now in Formula One. So great driver, but great drivers. I mean, Sebastian Vettel got pushed out of. I mean, you see great drivers all the time not get a spot to drive. Uh, Sebastian Vettel had to go to Aston Martin. Uh, Sergio Perez almost was out of Formula One. Sergio Perez is the third-ranked driver in the driver standings right now in Formula 1. He almost didn't have a drive. That's how competitive it is for a seat in Formula 1 right now. Uh, Pierre Gasly isn't going anywhere. He's going to stay at AlphaTauri until uh, somewhere else opens up somewhere better. And I just I don't see a world where Pierre Gasly leaves AlphaTauri at all. Why would he downgrade to, what, um, Alfa Romeo? Is he going to go to... Alpine, like none of these are, are better. So for now, Pierre Gasly is going to stay put until a better job opens up. And if I'm Red Bull, I'm not letting Pierre Gasly go. He's too good a driver to let leave my team. Uh, and I just keep keep getting him ready for whenever they got a spot open to the better team. And 
I will say, if I'm Red Bull, I'm very, very happy with Pierre Gasly. I wouldn't let him go. All right, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. I will see you uh, hopefully tomorrow. Watch NBA Finals Game 1 tonight. Got some football topics I'm working on. Uh, working on a film analysis. Going very slow. Give me time. Probably going to come out next Monday for the film analysis video. Um, but until then, love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum-bam. We are done.